Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Especially since it's raining outside and it's a little cool, it's great to be able to be here and gather and to worship God nonetheless. We are so happy to see you here with us this morning, especially if you're visiting today. I don't know what brought you here. If you are a visitor, if you're just passing through, if you're looking for a church home, whatever the case is, thank you for being here with us this morning. We'd love to have you as a member of our church. So if you're looking for a home church, look no further. I think the reason why you're here this morning is because God wants you here with us. So as Aaron mentioned in the announcements, we have a card in the back of the pew. You can take that out. Uh, fill it out. Let us know what your requests, your needs are. Pass that card to me. we got a box in the foyer or one of our shepherds hand that card to. And we'll make sure we reach out and uh, give you a call or text message or email. Invite you back out because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. So again, thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you this morning. Uh, this month of January, we are working our way through a four-week sermon series entitled New Year, New You. So we started last week with this new sermon series. So if you're visiting, we'll give you a quick review and then you can hop right into it with us this morning. The goal of this sermon series is to help us flesh out how to accomplish our goals or our resolutions by tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. No doubt many of you made resolutions and have goals that you wish to accomplish over the 2015 year. So throughout this sermon series, we're just going to be trying to encourage you and to help you figure out how to accomplish those goals uh, that you have set so that you would be a blessing to God and to others in working out your resolution. So last week in part one, we talked about the importance of setting goals in faith. And we said, if you're going to set a goal, make sure the goal that you're setting uh, is designed to please God in the process. That should be the motivation, right? Especially for the Christian. Set goals that are designed to bring the honor and glory to the Lord. And if you do that, then whatever you set out to do, God will bless and you'll be able to accomplish. So that was week one. And today, in part two, week two, I'd like to talk about what it takes to change. What it takes to change. So uh, before we get, begin, I have to say this. I know all you Dallas Cowboy fans have a, uh-huh, have a playoff game to watch today. So that re for that reason, uh, I'm going to preach for an hour and 30 minutes um, so you don't have to see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win and beat up on your, on your Cowboys this, this morning. Um, you know what the Dallas Cowboys and a Chick-fil-A manager have in common, right? Neither one shows up for work on Sunday, amen. So we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that. Sorry, Jarek, Aaron. We had some conversations yesterday. But anyway, uh, let's get into I had to take the opportunity. Had to. Um, let's get into it. You know, I think uh, one of the universal desires of the human being is this desire to improve one's circumstance or situation. So if you look back uh, in times past, as human beings, we always try to figure out ways to better 
where we are or what we're doing, living conditions, right, uh, travel, uh, technology. We're always looking for ways to improve and to grow. We all want to get better. We want to get uh, more improved with some of the technologies and different things that we're using. We all want to make something of our lives. We want to get uh, healthy. We want to uh, kind of tie into this idea of bettering uh, our current living situation. And, and, And these things are all good. You know, we spend millions of dollars every year on products and Uh, projects and gizmos and gadgets that will improve our lives. I don't know about you, but whenever a new iPhone comes out, I go, I guess I need to get that one, right? Because it's going to make life better. And that's kind of the way we think as people. And there's an entire industry built around that idea of if you'll just buy or try this product or eat this or try that, your life will be better. So there's something there for all of us that we feel that, that resonates with us. But I would say, sadly, the results don't last, right? So you get that latest gadget, that new iPhone, and you're like, it's not much different than the one before, so why did I, why did I do that? Or you get that latest uh, upgraded television, and you're like, it's still kind of the same. Uh, and some of these uh, results, they don't even seem to work at all. Uh, Is there anything out there in this life that is guaranteed to produce permanent change? Is there anything that can really transform your life and that change or that transformation will stay there permanently and touch our deepest desire? Is there anything out there that will help us fill that void? And as believers, we can say yes. The thing that will help us with transformation and change and a change that leads to a permanent change in our lives, is the gospel of Christ. And that's what we have, church. It's powerful. It's amazing. The gospel of Christ fills that void or that need. So this morning, let's, let's look at our first passage of Scripture and really trying to figure out uh, how we can produce change and what it takes to produce change. So uh, I want you to listen up to this first idea. What it takes to have change in your life is it takes you and I committing our bodies to God. And you may be saying, well, okay, I kind of don't know where you're going. What do you mean by that? Well, let's look at the text together. You've read this plenty of times. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice or living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've read this passage before, uh, but I want to shed a different light on it and, and, and try to think about this in a different way. For any change to happen in your life, whether it be financial, whether it be vocational, whether it be educational, whether it be mental or relational, it actually works best to begin with the physical. That's right. To commit your body first. That's what the Bible says. The, the Bible says it's, it's true. In order to create a change mentally, you've got to start with 
the, the physical because your body affects your behavior, if you think about it. Your body be- affects your behavior. Your muscles uh, affect your moods, right? Just ask anybody with back problems. <laughs> Amen, Mike? Anyway, but your muscles affect your mood. Your, your muscles affect your motivation. A teacher knows this, and that's why they say to their students, in order for you to learn properly, what did the teacher used to tell you in class? You got to stop, stop slouching. You've got to sit up and sit back and take a deep breath. So guess what this morning? I want you to do that. I want you to sit up, sit back, get your head up and take a deep breath in and let it out. Don't you already feel better? There's something about that exercise that just worked, right? There's something about the physical being connected to the emotional and mental. And you know that your physiology can affect your psychology. And I think that's what this verse is really speaking to us about, you know. Offer your physical body as a living sacrifice and see what that does with your outlook on life. It's amazing, right? It's absolutely amazing. Give your body to the Lord and it's, see what it does, what it does here. First, or next passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says this, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. I love this first passage here. Know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification. There's something about being able to manage our own body that helps us with our outlook on life. Uh, Some of the people, or some people, you know, cleanse their body, they care for their body, they control their body simply out of pride. And for those of you who have been to the gym recently, you know, as the new year starts, you go to the gym. You see those people often. I was at the gym the other day, and there was this guy who, after he did a set of bench press, he looked in the mirror and he said, <laughs> he was just looking at it like that the whole time, and I, I was so distracted, I couldn't focus on my workout, you know? Uh, but I may have done it next after him. But anyway, I was just, you know, sometimes we, we control and we discipline our bodies for our, our own selves out of, out of pride. So when we lose that weight and we go to the store and we buy those new jeans or that new shirt and we put it on, we say, man, I make this shirt and these jeans look good, you know. But the Bible says, you know, we, we sacrifice our bodies and discipline our bodies and possess our bodies in sanctification. Why? Because it's an act of worship. It's not for ourselves. I can take you down to the gym and people do it to worship themselves all the time. The self-made man usually worships the self. But people who commit themselves to the Lord actually end up worshiping the Creator. And that's what's so powerful about this process. So if we commit our bodies to the Lord, then our mind begins to change. And what do you mean? Let's flesh this out some more. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 27 says this. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. This is a powerful passage, so maybe you should underline this one in your Bibles. So I want to speak to the context of Corinth. 
But before we speak to the context of Corinth, we need to think about that previous verse in Thessalonians. What we know about what was going on in Thessalonica is that they were newly converted, uh, and uh, eschatologically, the church in Thessalonica believed that Jesus was going to return very soon. You know, as Jesus went to the, uh, back to the Lord, he said, I'm going to come back soon. So the people in Thessalonica said, you know what? Since Jesus is going to come back soon, we might as well just relax, not go to work anymore. You know, if he comes back tomorrow, what's the point of working? We might as well just eat merry and enjoy life and, and have a good time. And then that passage in Thessalonians says you got to be able to be able to possess your own body in, in sanctification and make sure you use it for God's glory. And then we get to the context of 1 Corinthians, right? Uh, we knew a lot of things was happening in the church in Corinth. They had a lot of issues, uh, a lot of infighting, a lot of problems. And here, the author of this, this text says, you've got to discipline your body like an athlete. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, we got to first start with uh, part B of this text. If you don't discipline your body like that, you might be disqualified when it comes to your sharing the gospel. What, well, what does that mean? I don't know about you parents, but have you ever saw a parent with extremely unruly children before? And then that same parent comes up to you and says, you know what, let me get you some parenting advice. Have you ever had that situation before? I've had that happen before, right? I look at that parent's children and they're jumping off the wall and acting all crazy. And then that same parent comes to me and says, hey, Jason, I got some advice. Let me tell you how we raise our children. And I go, really? You're advising me on that, right? Just doesn't make sense. You disqualify yourself because of lack of discipline, right? Have you ever had a broke friend give you advice on how to manage your own money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was bankrupt, you know, two years ago, things happened. But let me talk to you about investing. Just doesn't make sense. Or have you ever had an unhealthy person or maybe even overweight person come up and tell you about how to exercise and eat right? It just doesn't make sense. The two don't add up. It can't work that way. So if you want to be a person that is qualified when it comes to teaching, you have to live a life of, of discipline. So we commit our bodies to the Lord physically. I think as Christians, we should all be in really good shape if we can, if we're able to control that. There's some people with physical ailments, and that's difficult, right? But I think God gives us our vessel, and we ought to take care of this vessel. And I love in the old times, in, in, in previous times, where uh, our fellowship were really big on preaching against uh, uh, smoking and drinking and overeating. I love that because I think that's spot on. We've got to take care of this vessel. We only have one, and we've got to commit this vessel to the Lord. So we ought to be working out, eating right, taking care of our bodies, staying away from all the sweets, and being able to use this, this vessel for God's glory. And then secondarily to that, we shouldn't involve this vessel, this body, in a lifestyle of sin. We've got to make sure we keep this pure and cleansed and away from all that stuff. So when we see rubbish on the television, we turn it off. Or when we turn on the radio and we hear that song that is contrary to the will of God, we say, we don't want any part of that. And we do that in order to discipline ourselves and keep this thing right so that when it comes to serving the God that we know to be all-powerful and knowing, we're pure and undefiled and we're living in sanctification, and God can use us in powerful ways. But if we let all that junk in here, physically, emotionally, mentally, we're damaged. And God really can't use us that well. And we 
won't experience the changes that we want to see happen in our lives. So we've got to commit this, this vessel, to the Lord. And if we do that, he can help us with whatever changes we seek, whatever they are. And all of us have our own idiosyncrasies. We all have our struggles. God can help us with all of them if we commit our body to him. Next, what else do you have to have in order for change to occur? Well, I think you've got to fill your life with love, humility, and zeal. And if you keep love, humility, and zeal in the forefront of your mind, that change that you seek will occur. Well, what do you mean by that? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. It says this, love must be sincere. And what we just talked about, it should hate evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but in your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. You know, love can change the unchangeable. Just think about that. The only thing that can change the unchangeable is love. That's it. It's the only thing that can. It's the most powerful force in the world. Love. It is. Love invigorates. Love revitalizes. Love renews. Love refreshes. Love is the most powerful force in the universe because God is love. Amen? It doesn't say he has love or knows what love is. It says he is love. Love uplifts. Love strengthens. Love energizes. It gives you energy when you don't have energy. Love will give you power. It empowers you. There's something about love that can help us change situations. And that's why in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9, it says love must be sincere. You can't pretend when it comes to loving others because the outcome won't come out the way you want it to come out because it's not sincere. But when you sincerely love someone, changes can occur. Uh, And it hates what is evil. Now, I don't know about you, but How many of us really use that word hate when it comes to evil? You know, when we see evil in the world, how many of us really say, I hate that? We don't use that language, right? We say, I don't really care for that. I don't really like that. But when it comes to evil, the Bible says we should hate evil. So when we see evil at the workplace, we should hate it. When we see evil on the television, we should hate it. See, hear hear evil on the airwaves, we should hate it. And not just deal with it, but absolutely hate it what is evil, and cling to what is good. And we've got to be devoted to one another in brotherly, brotherly love and keeping the zeal. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3. Let's get to this next text. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that is God has given you. Here's another way to affect change in your life. Not only do you affect change by having sincere love, but you affect change in your life by having humility. Now, what do you mean by that, preacher? I must humbly, I must humbly, because it takes humility, uh, consider or assess my current state. The first and greatest barrier to your change, the number one barrier to change in your life in any area is pride. 
That's right. And typically what we say is, I, I don't have any problems. Me, I have nothing to worry about. There's no issues there. I, there's nothing I need to change, so I'm, I'm good. I don't see the pink elephant in the living room. What are you talking about? There's nothing for me to change. I don't want to admit that I need change. The fact is, nobody has it all together. All of us need to change. There's something that every one of us in here this morning needs to change in our lives right now. Like there should be a sense of urgency about it. Every one of us, every one of us. But sometimes we just go, you know what? I'm okay. But no one has it all together. You don't have it all together. The Bible says there's nothing perfect in the world except God's word. Everything on this planet is broken. Everything. All right? And the only thing that can help us with change is first to humbly realize that, you know what, I'm a sinner and I make mistakes every day and there are areas that I need to improve in in my life. So if we live in humility, it helps us with change, right? Sometimes Mary tells me, Jason, you need to be a better listener. And I go, huh? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> right? But if I live in humility, I would say, let me listen to what Mary's saying. And then I realize there are some areas to improve on when it comes to listening, right? And that helps me uh, with this change that I, that I need to have take place in my life. So if we live in humility, that helps us with the process of change. If we live in pride, we're not going to change anything in our lives. And then lastly, and I'm almost done here, what else helps us with this idea of change? Keeping zeal. Keeping zeal. Well, what do you mean by that? Romans chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. It says this. This is key. And this is the verse that I want to leave you on, leave you with this morning as we kind of close out. Keep this one with you because this will really help you in this area of, of how to spur change in your life. Here it goes. Number one, be joyful in hope. That's a powerful one right there. Be joyful in hope. Keep hope with you. Keep hope alive because there's something about hope that lets you know that everything is going to be okay. So whatever you're dealing with in your life or whatever you want to change, you should say in your head, I'm going to accomplish that goal and I see it happening in the future and that should give you joy. You should see my children when it comes to uh, um, almost time for them to have their birthdays, right? So Layla's getting ready to turn 11. Every day she tells me that, Dad, I'm going to be 11 in March. I'm just reminding you, Dad, that I'm going to be 11 in March. She can be having a terrible day, but when she thinks of her birthday, a smile comes to her face, and she's able to live in joy, right? So I do that oftentimes with her, too, when she's not, you know, too happy, like when I tell her to clean her room. Oh, Dad, I don't want to clean my room. Ah, your birthday's coming up. Hey, all right, you know, I'll go clean this spotless right now. There's something about living in hope and keeping joy with you that, that helps you with this idea of change. Next is to be patient in affliction. Many of you who are reading through your Bible reading plan for the year and doing the chronological study, right now you're in the book of Job, aren't you? Yeah. And you've been reading through the book of Job. And what you learn about Job is that he had some serious affliction, right? And many commentators, they say, you know, we don't know how long Job had to deal with his affliction. We don't know if it was months or if it was a couple of days or if it was years. But whatever the case is, all of us are going to encounter affliction. And when we're in that season of affliction, we have to learn to be patient and know that God is going to work it out. But oftentimes when we're going through trials and struggles, we are really quick-tempered, aren't we? 
We are really short. We can blow a fuse like that whenever we have hardships. And that's why the scripture says, when you encounter hardships, learn to be patient. And that'll spur that change that you're seeking. You got to let God do his thing. He's teaching you something. Just be patient. That's hard for a lot of us to do. It's hard for me to do. But be patient in affliction. And here's another one. Faithful in prayer. We talked about that during Bible class this morning. If you seek change in your life, you better be on your hands and knees every single day praying about that change that you want to occur. Every single day. Whatever it is, pray about it all the time. Be faithful in prayer and that change will happen. And then here's something else that I love right here. Um, Share with God's people who are in need. You know, the greatest way to spur change in your life is by uh, focusing your attention on other people. And many of you who have done mission trips and mission work overseas, there was a group that went down to uh, Mexico not too long ago. They said, you know, we went to Mexico to serve, but it did something for me. I feel so blessed, and it energizes you. So there's something about serving other people that helps spur change in your life as well. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And what I see uh, the author of Romans doing here is taking... Uh, our minds and our situation and kind of getting us to think about other people and taking ourselves out of it, and that helps spur uh, the change. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse, and that's a big one there right there too. Oftentimes the reason why we don't meet our goals or we can't change is because people. I heard someone once say, the church would be a lovely place if there were no people here. Yeah, I heard that, you know, or yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? But we, we think about that. Oftentimes, the reason why we struggle so much is because of other people, right? You ever have somebody just say something to you that just really crushed you and hurt you, and it just took the wind out of your sails and deflated you? Here's what the scripture says. You say to them, bless your heart, and don't curse them out. Amen. That's what the scripture is saying right here. You got to be able to do that. And I meet, I meet some people in the church that, I tell you what, they get they get all flustered and angry whenever someone's rude to them or says something to them, and, they don't, and it messes up their whole life, their whole afternoon, right? The Bible says when, when people mistreat you or they say evil about you, you bless them, right? And we've got to learn that discipline. If we can learn that discipline, our lives will be blessed, and we'll seek that change. We'll be, be able to grab onto that change that we seek. So that's something I want you to keep with you this week when you go to work, and that person that you always run into says something, you just say, Bless your heart. Bless you. Thank you for your biased opinion of me. I appreciate that. Bless you, right? And see what it does. You are in a power position, right? And it keeps you focused on the change that you're trying to make in your life. But if people get under your skin, your psyche changes, and you can't, you're just all messed up. And then you go back to those bad habits, right? And then the change that you're seeking is, is, is no more. It's all messed up. You've got to push the restart button again. So I think the Bible here is giving us some things here. When you get God in your life, when you have God in your life, you can be enthusiastic. Uh, enthusiasm fills your heart, uh, and he can help you through whatever you're going through. Whether you feel healthy or sick, your circumstance doesn't change because you have this enthusiasm and you have this basis right here to, to, to live by. So circumstances change all the time, but you can remain a rock. If you're able to do that, you can accomplish the change that you seek. So in conclusion, that's what I wanted to leave you with this morning. What does it take to change? It takes you committing your body to the Lord. And I'm talking about physically, 
physically committing your body to the Lord. Work out, eat right, uh, be healthy. Uh, mentally, don't allow junk into your body through the television, through media, social media. Keep that cleanse. Commit your body to the Lord. Start serving other people uh, with love. Be humble and realize that you have things that you need to change in your life and be willing to say, you know what, I do need to change those. And lastly, keep the spirit of zeal with you. Be patient in affliction. When people come at you, you pray for them, bless them. And if you do those things, when it comes to the change that you seek in your life, it'll happen. It'll happen because God will help you and bless you through it. So by way of invitation, what plan do you have to make a change this year? How do you plan? What plans do you have and how do you plan to make a change this year? Because all of us need to make it. Maybe there's someone here that is in need of repentance, in need of prayer, uh, made some mistakes this past year or this year so far. You've already fallen off the wagon with your resolutions. The church is here to pray with you, pray for you. We'll encourage you and uh, we'll shore you up and God will put you right back on the right path. Maybe there's someone here that's not a Christian. You haven't given your life to the Lord yet. I don't think it's by chance that you're here this morning. I think God wanted you to hear a message, and the message that he wants you to hear is that Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins and to give you a better life, and he wants you to accept this free gift right now. So if you're not a Christian, you can be baptized today and be added to the church, and God will bless your life tremendously. There's nothing like the joy that you feel from being a Christian. It's amazing. So whatever your needs or concerns are, we've got a song of invitation selected. We'd invite you to come together while we stand and sing.